Welcome to Sports and Jesus, episode this one. I don't remember what number we're on. Four? Are we on the four? Six? Yeah. Well, it's according if you're counting iTunes. or Okay. Well, this is a new episode of Sports and Jesus. We've got some exciting news today. We are brought to you by Audible. That's audible.com. It's a website where you can download books and listen to books. And uh, So if you go to audibletrial.com, slash sports and Jesus. You can sign up for a free trial. I think it's a 15-day free trial, and you get a free book to download with that that you can listen to. So if you could go to audibletrial.com slash sports and Jesus, sign up for a free trial, check it out. That'd help us out a lot. Audible's pretty cool. Um, What all do you get? You'll get 30 days of membership free plus a book to get you started, like I said. One credit a month after trial, good for any book, regardless of price, and lots of other really cool stuff. I know Joy's already checked it out and said it's it's pr- pretty good. Yep, can't remember which book I downloaded. It was either Pilgrim's Progress or The Hobbit, one of those, but it's a pretty sweet little deal we got going on. Yeah, they have a, a really wide selection of books to download. So if you're a book person but don't have the time to sit down and read, but you, like I do with my job, you might drive a lot and you want to download some audio books. That is, again, that's audibletrial.com slash sports and Jesus. We'll put it on our Facebook page, some other social media. We'll also put it in the show notes. So go check that out. Hey, Joy, you good? Oh, I'm good. Hey, Garrett, hey, you good? Hey, what? hey, before we get, before we do that, I'm sure Garrett's good. Garrett, you good? You good? <laughs> He doesn't look good. Garrett's yeah, good. thanks for thanks for asking. Yeah, Garrett's good. You didn't answer. You just said thanks for asking. Because you said I was already good. You All didn't right, give Gar- me a chance to answer. All right, Garrett's good. We've got some exciting news. Uh, some of y'all have asked about Stats. And uh, Stats is in live in studio with us today. That's right. Uh, you good, Stats? I'm good. Glad to be here. Glad to be here. All right, Stats, I know you're new to this. Uh, when you speak, if you can get closer to the microphone when you talk, we can hear you a lot better. Glad to be here. All right, that's great. Yep. So, um, well, I've still got Audible pulled up. So as a filibuster, while I pull up our, uh, oops, hit the wrong app. That's not the right thing. Uh, just talking until I get to where I see we what we're going to talk We are Sports and Jesus. Yep, Sports and Jesus. Talk about sports and photography. <clears throat> just kidding. And Jesus. So, sports. Our last episode was the day of the Super Bowl, but it was before the Super Bowl. And if you've listened to that, we talked about how obviously everyone should be pulling for the Eagles because that's the side that Jesus is pulling for because of so many Christians. And uh, what a surprise, like always in real history, Jesus wins. What? Tom Brady lost? Yes, and he cried. Did y'all see that? I think he cried. I'm pretty sure he cried. Definitely cried. Yeah, he cried. Tom Brady cried. That's great. I think Giselle almost divorced him. Because he's a loser. Loser. Super Bowl was awesome. Some other things we noticed in the Super Bowl, I think it's pretty obvious that Nick Foles might be one of the best quarterbacks ever to put cleats on. I I really think it's like Joe Montana, Nick Foles, Dan Marino. What's the guy's name from Any Given Sunday? Jamie Foxx, his character on Any Given Sunday. And Matt Saracen. 
I think that's that's the order of best quarterbacks ever in the Super Bowl. Ever in the history, ever. ever that have touched a football. Ever, yeah. That's that's how good Nick Foles played. I mean, that was. I'm gonna be honest. I was definitely pulling for the Eagles because, as we all know by now, I hate the Patriots. I hate Tom Brady, but I'd never at any point during the actual playing of that game thought that the Eagles would win that game. I just always assumed, all right, well, the Eagles are up by two scores. That's exactly where Tom Brady wants them. Yeah, if you watched our uh, halftime show, we both said Patriots have got them right where they want them. How Even would... on the last play, I expected the Patriots somehow to catch the football in the end zone to win the game. You said our halftime, our, our our show, our live show, um, how would people watch? How would people how are people able to watch that with us? We were on Twitter Live, which is Periscope, and we're on Instagram Live. Oh, really? Yeah, both I had of those. No idea. Even though you were the one that pulled up on Instagram. <laughs> so on that note, go follow us on Instagram and Twitter. We do some cool live stuff. We always do while while we do a pregame show before we record, we go on Instagram Live. That's something cool that you can check out. You can also find us on Facebook and please invite your friends. And if you really enjoy the podcast, or if you're just our friend and you listen to us because you like us, please leave us a five star review on iTunes or I don't know if you can leave. I think you can just love it on Stitcher. Whatever you can do on whatever way you're listening to it to say that you like it and let people know that need to know that you like it, please do that for us. That would be awesome. We really appreciate it. We've actually had a few people since our last episode that has done that, and we'd like to thank you for that. Our our listeners, listener or listeners in Japan still has not reached out to us, so we plead with you again. Please reach out to us. Sportsandjesus at gmail.com. So it this time of year, you know, football's over, the Super Bowl's happened, the national championships happened. We spent a lot of time talking about football, but but football's over now. It, it's not really I mean, we had National Signing Day, but after the first National Signing Day, the second National Signing Day just wasn't near as big of a deal as it usually is. But what is a big deal this time of year, you ask? Is it the Olympics? No, not really. Although Curling has been pretty awesome. It's basketball. So we're probably going to spend the majority of the rest of our sports time talking about basketball. Are you going to say something, or are you just taking a really deep breath, Joy? Steph Curry lost. (laughs) He lost in the NBA All-Star game. He picked his team, and he lost. Steph Curry lost in the game that matters the least. I don't know. That uh, $500,000 to your charity of choice, that... All-Star game seemed like it mattered a lot to those players, and he lost. That was pretty cool seeing that. I think that's the first year in a while. Like, the last time I can remember the players taking the All-Star game that seriously was Michael Jordan's last All-Star game. And by taking it that seriously, I mean they were just going to keep passing it to Michael to let him hit a buzzer beater because it was going to be awesome. Yeah, I don't think I've watched it since then. So I only watched for the National Anthem. Best national anthem ever. (laughs) (laughs) So, along with the All-Star Game, you get some other competitions that go on the same week. And one of those competitions that happened was the three-point competition, where Devin Booker, 
You might know him from University of Kentucky a few years ago. He's a star. You can't see the quotations I'm putting around the word star. Star for the Phoenix Suns, and he won the three-point competition. He actually won by setting a record for the most points in one round of the three-point competition. And so we're just, amongst ourselves, we've kind of talked about, like, is Devin Booker also another thing to his credit is I think it was last year he had a game where he scored 70 points in a single game. And so, but it's kind of, some people would say yes, some people say no, and we want to just ask the question kind of talk through it. Is Devin Booker, is is he legit? Is he a superstar? Like, I mean, a 70-point game, there's not many players in the history of the NBA that have scored 70 points in a single game. And as long as I can remember, there's only been two. And the other one being Kobe Bryant. I mean, is Devin Booker, I mean, where do you, I mean, guy scored 70 points in the game. He scored the most points ever in a three-point competition. Uh, is he legit? Is he a star? Uh, Garrett, you got some some stats for us on, on Devin Booker to kind of help us work through this, how we should feel about Mr. Booger, Booker, Booker? As far as this year, he's averaging just under 25 points a game, which is, I mean, it's impressive. That's good. That's, yeah. that's really good. Um, his uh, three-point percentage is, I believe it's 38%, which is pretty good. not bad. Yeah. Better than that. I think, he's a, I think he's a good player, but as far as a, like, legit all-star takeover game type of guy, like when you compare him to Kobe, like – I mean, Kobe had, like, four straight games of, like, 50-plus versus this guy having, you know, one game where he scores 70 and then it's back to. Yeah, but but this guy had one game where he scored 70 when he was, like, 19 years old. I mean, this guy's this is his third year in the league, and he was 17 years old, I think, when he came into the league, 18 years old when he came into the league. So, I mean, this guy's 20, 21 years old right now. Like, is he going – do you think, Garrett, do you think he will develop into a superstar or do you think he's just – and this is kind of where I I fall, the camp I fall. Do you think he's just a, a pretty good player on a really, really, really bad team? I think he's a good player, but he's the only option on that team. That's why he scores so much is probably because nobody else can – Nobody else gets the ball. I mean, like you say, he's a good player on a really bad team. There's no other legit talent to score. Is Devin Booker better than Clay Thompson? No. No. I'd say no. I don't know if that was meant for Garrett, but I Also, again, this is Stats first time in the studio. Stats, if when you talk, if you lean into the microphone. (laughs) I think Stats forgets how this works, and he just starts talking over there in the corner. Um who okay? Who would you say? What what other NBA players would you probably put Devin Booker from a skill star level? Like what what other NBA players might might you put him into? I mean, is he? I don't know. Do you put him into the same? Like, do you think of him like you think of um, what's the guy's name that plays for the Timberwolves? That not Towns, the other one, Wiggins. Yeah. Do you would you rather have Wiggins than Booker? I would say Wiggins. Potential is better than Booker's. Okay. Kevin Love. 
Yeah, I'd probably take him over Kevin Love. I think Kevin Love's about to fizzle out. <clears throat> okay, well, we're probably... This is exciting, guys, because I'm pretty sure we're probably... There's no podcast in the history of podcasts that has talked more about Devin Booker's NBA players we have just then. That's exciting, guys. We're breaking new ground, new territory. You listeners, you're right there with us. This is We are making history, guys. We're making history. So before the All-Star – oh, well, before we move on, also what came along with the All-Star game was the Celebrity Game. So it got me thinking, who, if I could pick celebrities, and I wanted to win a basketball game, and if I could pick celebrities, who would I pick to win? And so we kind of – I threw this out there to these guys. If you could pick three celebrities, two guys and a girl – to win a, a celebrity game, who would you pick starting now? First of all, dibs on The Rock. So throwing that out there. I've got The Rock. Who, who y'all got? Barack Obama. Barack Obama. That's Joy. Joy coming in strong with Barack Obama. I'm taking Matt Chandler, obviously. Matt, Matt Chandler, obviously. For those of you who don't know who Matt Chandler is, you should YouTube him and listen to everything that has his name on it. In order to go against Matt Chandler... This is Garrett speaking. I'm going to take Paul Washer. Paul Washer. Also, YouTube that guy if you don't know who he is. If you do know who he is, that just got real funny thinking of Paul Washer playing basketball. Against Matt Matt Chandler. Against Matt Chandler. (laughs) I I don't know. I feel like Chandler's an athlete, though. Definitely younger. I think. I don't that, know. That, that Paul Washer stare, though. That intimidation factor. Yeah. All right. Well, I got the trump card because I'm picking Snoop Dogg. <laughs> Boom. Snoop Dogg's taking Chandler I and Washer. you about to pick Trump. <laughs> I got the trump card with Trump. Is that why it's called a trump card? Ooh. Is it? Is it? I don't, I don't know. That's something to look up. Uh, my second this guy. Is, this is stats speaking. I'm going with Zach Galifianakis. That would be really funny. I don't think that's how you say his name, but uh, get, is that Galifianakis? Galifianakis. <laughs> Wait, can Gal- you say it, Joy? How do you say it again? Galifianakis. How do you Fana- say it? Sta- Galifianakis. <laughs> Galifianakis. Fanaskis. <laughs> Spell it. <laughs> G. All right. All right. Who y'all got? Who else y'all got? Nobody's picked any women yet. Team Zamboni with the second pick. That means that's Garrett. Picks Will Ferrell. Uh, why? That's another Rob. You never seen. Uh... What? Forget what? it. I'm trying to win a game. I don't know what y'all do. I think Will Ferrell brings a lot of uh, energy. You're just basing it off that movie where he's a basketball player. <laughs> it was impressive. <laughs> He had to learn some kind of basketball skills to star in that role. What you got, Joy? Jason Statham. Ooh. Ooh. Wait, who's is that your three other guys? Who's your other pick? Or do you have a girl already? That's three. That's my second. Who was your first one? Obama. Oh, Obama. Okay. Yeah, yeah that's no, right. Who'd you just say a second ago? Oh, Obama and Jason said, Statham. I think he was questioning him about oh, Trump. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Right. <laughs> All right. Gary got confused. Uh, <laughs> I'm picking Queen Latifah. Reese Witherspoon. Kesha. (laughs) (laughs) 
I'm trumping everybody with my final pick being Caitlyn Jenner. All right, let's move on to, uh, before we get on that topic, let's move on to, to college basketball. <laughs> no, uh, still, <laughs> that's a topic for another day. <laughs> um, so the trade deadline happened, <laughs> happened before the All-Star game. And the Cavs completely changed their roster. They got rid of uh, four foot two Isaiah Thomas. They got rid of other people. Sixty year old Dwayne Wade. Yeah, <laughs> and they picked up Jordan Clarkson, who's who's pretty good. They picked up um, who's the other guy they picked up from the Lakers. Uh, Larry Nance Jr. Larry Nance Jr. Yeah, not not Kuzma. Um, and they also picked up Rodney Hood. And George Hill, which, if you notice, like the, it's obvious they were trying to become younger, more athletic, and better at defense, and they definitely did that. And they've looked really good since they picked up those players. So I think, it, obviously, we'd all say this team is probably better than the team before the trade deadline. Does anybody have any arguments for that? Okay, then how they're better – are they good enough to compete with the Warriors in a seven-game series? Absolutely not. That was Garrett. Garrett has a absolutely not. What you think, Joy? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Okay, yeah, Joy's always going to pick LeBron. Yeah, I'm going yes, too. Yeah, Stats <laughs> is always going to pick LeBron, too. We got some LeBron apologists in here. I'm going to say uh, no way can they, they – they're still – they're not winning a game. I'm sorry, but like – definitely the, disagree. No, these four players aren't even as good as Kyrie, as one Kyrie last year, and they only won one game against the Warriors you know last why? year. The, because the Warriors game, are a lot better, right? But game one, I would debate that it was just LeBron. Okay, so I'm saying they will win one game if it's just up to LeBron. You're nope. saying they won't win a game? No, nope. no, I'm saying yeah, you're right, you're right. I'm saying they won't if the Warriors don't get injured. The Cavs, I'm thinking, won't win a game. Against the Warriors in the finals, if they make it to the finals, if they get, I'm still not convinced, even with this team, that they're getting past the Celtics. I'll say last year they were, the Cavs were just terrible defensively, and that's why they lost because LeBron averaged a triple double, which he's also he's also averaging a triple double this month, and they're better defensively, and I think the Warriors are kind of losing ground lately. Yeah, and hopefully and Steph Curry is not play. a Christian. <laughs> and he Wrong hates his about family. All <laughs> Andy hates his family. Yeah. We're still looking for proof on that. The Warriors are losing. They're not it's not the playoffs. I mean, it doesn't matter what ground the the Warriors I mean, once it's time to turn it on, they're gonna turn it on. I mean they've got guys, they've got four potential Hall of Famers on one team. Like you you can't do anything with that. Like two of the top three players in the NBA are on their team. I think it's been – I mean, I even look at Bosch and Wade and LeBron when they were together in Miami. I still think this is probably the best core starting five that I've seen in probably several decades. I mean, it's ridiculous how much talent they have on the court. I think that that would be a fun series, though. If you took the Warriors right now against those Miami T T Miami Heat <laughs> – <laughs> Miami Heat teams, the the big three teams, 
I think that would be that'd be a fun series. LeBron in his absolute prime, Dwayne in his absolute prime, Chris Bosh before the blood clots. <laughs> I mean that that I think that would be a good series. I think that'd be probably Don't forget Ray Allen. Yeah, and Ray Allen. In, oh wait. In Ray Allen played on those teams. I was thinking about the Celtics big team though. But Ray Allen did play on the Heat with that crew. Yeah, yeah, because huh. he hit the shot. Ray against, Allen. He hit the shot <laughs> against the Spurs to give them that championship when Chris Bosh got the. Yeah, I, I think definitely out of any team in since I've been watching the NBA, like that's the thing. Okay, mm. the Bulls, the Michael Jordan Bulls, which year? play the Warriors. Michael's last year. Who wins that? All right. We'll think on that. Um, We love listeners. We'd love to get your feedback on that. Um, Who do you think? Who you got? Bulls or Warriors? Let us know. We'll talk about that on the next episode. There will be a Twitter poll. You can vote on. Yep. Twitter poll. Polling it. All right. College basketball. I'm sure, unless you've been under a rock, you've seen that. There have been some allegations that have come from an, an FBI investigation have came out this past week uh, that Yahoo Sports, I think, is the ones that first reported it. ESPN's kind of been covering it. And the way they're presenting it is you've got some of the big-name teams, some of the big, great programs are in a lot of trouble. They named Duke, North Carolina, Michigan State, Arizona, Alabama, Seton Hall, USC, I think Kansas. Do what? Yeah, NC State. I mean, all these teams were named, and it's presented like all these teams are in a lot of trouble. But as everybody knows by now, I'm a Duke fan. So am I worried about this? Absolutely not. I think you've really got – just to kind of clarify for everybody, and it's kind of frustrated me with how the coverage has been done, it, what you've got, you basically got two different groups. So what ha- happened was, <laughs> what happened <laughs> was that this, this agent had a guy that worked for him that this guy's job was to connect with high school basketball players that are stars and build relationships in hopes that when these guys would go pro, they'd sign with this agent. So that was his job. That's what he did. And so that's this is the guy that got arrested where they're getting all this information from. Where they're getting this information from is this guy gave the FBI his expense reports that had everything he spent money from the company on. Okay? And some of these guys were named, but you have two different groups. You have some you have this one group, group A, that probably won't get into that much trouble, and this group is people that this guy took them or a family member out to lunch. And that's what Duke fits into. Wendell Carter, that plays for Duke, his mom was taken out to lunch by this guy. Colin Sexton, that plays for Alabama, had a family member taken out to lunch by this guy. This this is all. Nobody spent over a hundred. He didn't spend over a hundred and eighty dollars on any of these players. Now that's still impermissible benefits. They still could get in a little bit of trouble for that. But I think at worst, what's going to happen is possibly these players get suspended for a game or have to pay back some money to a charity. Then you've got the other group, which is the group that is going to get in a lot of trouble and these programs that are going to get in a lot of trouble. And this is where players were given loans 
tens of thousands of dollars in loans that once they signed in the NBA, they would pay back these loans to this guy. And this is guys like Dennis Smith Jr. that played at NC State, Miles Bridges, who currently plays for Michigan State, um, a couple guys that play for USC, I think Isaiah Whitehead that played at Seton Hall, Bam Adebayo, yeah, I said it right, Bam, <laughs> Bam Adebayo that played at Kentucky. These guys got tens of thousands of dollars in loans, and these schools could potentially be in a lot of trouble. I think the team that's looking at the worst is Arizona, who, from what's being claimed, is their coach contacted these guys in order to pay, was it, what's his name, Aiton, that plays for him right now? Pay him, get him whatever amount of money it will take to get him to sign with Arizona. That's Arizona's potentially in a lot of trouble. Now their coach is denying that, and so is the, the Aitons are denying that. That they they're saying that they didn't receive any money for him to go to Arizona, but that that's kind of just to clarify clarify <sighs> clarify to clarify that. Um, so you don't think I, I really don't think Duke or Alabama has anything to worry about, which is <clears throat> makes me happy. But yeah, so anybody else got anything to add to that? One thing. Didn't this Bam? Stats. Didn't Bam at a bio play for Florida, not Kentucky? No, he played for Kentucky. Who was the? Are we sure? I'm positive Bam played for Kentucky last year. <laughs> who was the big guy for Florida, like two years ago? I don't know who you're talking about. I forget I said anything. Uh, you're thinking of uh, Jokum Noah? Yeah. Or Al, Al Horford. Yeah, that's who it was. Al, Al Horford. Horford. Uh, Tim Tebow. That's who you're thinking of. Tim Tebow. <laughs> um, Danny, I was, Danny Werfel. My only two points were Michigan State does not have <laughs> any room to mess up in anything after what's been going on with them. And um, I don't think they have any room to mess up. And my other point is, how many times does something have to happen to a program that's ran by John Calipari before they finally drop the hammer on that guy? I mean, it's everywhere he goes, he's getting in some kind of trouble for cheating. Everywhere. Okay, that's true. I like Calipari. I don't, from what I understand, so he's gotten in trouble two times. But the last time was at Memphis, and he, like, left the program jacked. Yes, but the last time at Memphis, what he got in trouble for at Memphis was Derrick Rose. It was He was accused of somebody taking his ACT for him. That was the accusation. Derrick Rose is already in the NBA at this time, so Derrick Rose never talked to anybody with the NCAA about it because he didn't have to. Calipari was also offered Kentucky at the time. So why would why would you not go from Memphis to Kentucky no matter what? Like it, I think in that situation, I don't think Calipari I think well, I don't know this for sure, but I think it's it's easy to believe that he had no idea. If Derrick Rose it wasn't ever proven that he did anything wrong because they never even talked to Derrick Rose about it. He was just accused of it. I'll just say, and I agree with you on that. Like, I, I think that, okay, if he's the coach at Memphis, even if Derrick Rose had decided I'm going to stay another year, but he has an opportunity to go to Kentucky, I 
can't blame him for going to Kentucky. But my problem is when programs get punished by a coach that leaves and the coach gets nothing but the program that he was at that he was responsible for now gets punished. And my problem is my only thing is would it change things if they would follow the coach that cheated penalize him where he's at and this program like Kentucky say okay we're not going to take this guy because there's going to be sanctions and maybe that would cause them to quit cheating because other schools wouldn't bring them in yeah but I, I don't think Calipari necessarily cheated like I don't think that was on him as much as if it happened which has never been proven it was just somebody heard a rumor that Derrick Rose somebody took the ACT form it was never proven they they don't have the guy that took the ACT form saying hey I took this for D Rose it was just accused. I don't believe Memphis should have necessarily been punished for it, which their only real punishment was that Final Four was taken away from them. But I don't think Calipari – I mean, I, it was before the guy got to Memphis. And I mean <clears> – <throat> And I don't think Calipari really has – I don't – I think it's more likely that Calipari didn't know and didn't have anything to do with it than it is that he did know and did have something to do with it. So I don't understand why you would penalize him when he didn't do anything. I don't understand. Like, pretty much, it's just the situation is just messed up. Like, they can't – really, nobody should have got punished for that, in my view. let's say, okay, in my opinion, the worst scandal that we've seen lately in college sports was Rick Pitino. The whole thing that happened at Louisville, Rick Pitino, that's a problem. And my thing is, okay, say they fire Rick Pitino, and Rick Pitino got offered by, say, Florida – yeah, but they said if you take on Rick Pitino, you're going to have sanctions. We're going to punish you because this is going to follow him as well. Would Florida, you know, saying okay, well, we're not going to bring him in? Would that stop these coaches from doing things like that? Now, I completely agree with that, and I think the I think that's a different situation than Calipari's situation. If that makes sense. Yeah, and I'd, and I'd, and I'd agree with that. Well, we're going to have to move on to our Jesus stuff, Jesus talk. Uh, We don't have a cool transitional story for you because we had so much basketball to talk about other than all this stuff that's been going wrong. If you love Jesus, you shouldn't do that stuff. So drop the beat. If you preach it, then you liable to have revival. And that's what we need in our local churches. It's either dry as a bone or something like a circus. But it has been purchased so we can commandeer it. Lord Jesus, revive us with your Holy Spirit. All right. Time to talk about some Jesus stuff. Um... So last episode, we discussed expositional preaching. We're doing a a three-part series, and hopefully next... So last episode is expositional preaching. Today, we're going to talk about what gospel-centered Sunday morning services should look like, and hopefully our next episode or in an upcoming episode, we will get a a guy that's a worship leader that that takes this gospel-centered thing very seriously and thinks through... Gospel centeredness and glorifying God through every decision that He makes when it comes to song choice, to everything. So, we're going to be able to ask that guy some questions. Um, so, if you have some questions that you you think that this, this worship leader, you'd like to hear him answer, please send that to us on any of the social media 
places or sportsandjesus at gmail.com. So, today, what does a gospel-centered Sunday morning service look like? First of all, I want to talk to kind of what is our, our goal in a Sunday morning service. Julie, if you can be looking up that verse, 1 Peter 2, 9. And um, so, first of all, I think this kind of helps explain, like, what just what's our goal? If you're on, if you're in ministry, if you're a part, if you're a worship leader, this is this will be helpful to you. I think also if you're just a Christian, this will be helpful to you and figure out kind of what you want or what you're looking for, what you should be looking for in the services that you attend. Joy, you got that verse? Yeah. <clears throat> but you are a chosen race a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the ex- excellencies? <laughs> is, that, is, there que- is there a question mark there after excellencies? <laughs> <laughs> proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Yes. Yes, there so, was. <laughs> so that's our goal. Like, what we want to do when we gather, what Sunday morning surface, surface? <laughs> Sunday morning service, the service is where the church, the people of God, the local congregation, where they gather corporately to do this, to proclaim the excellencies of God. That's that's what we're doing on a Sunday morning. That's why we meet on Sunday mornings. By the way, and we'll talk about this eventually, we'll get into this. If this Sunday morning is all you're getting and the only time you're with the church and with the body of Christ, that's not a healthy thing. This is just a part of what your Christian life and your Christian walk should be and a part of of what you experience as a Christian. So we just want to talk through different aspects of what happens across the board at the majority of churches, the majority of churches that you, our listeners, attend and that and that we have attended just some different parts of a, of a service and how to do those gospel-centered and what those should look like gospel-centered. And really what we want to talk about is what what is a gospel-centered, and, and this is a word I, I want us to get familiar with, what does a gospel-centered liturgy look like? What is a liturgy? If you look it up on Google, it's a form or formulary according to which public religious worship, especially Christian worship, is conducted. So that's what this is. This is how worship is conducted. That's that's your lit, your liturgy. And so that's what we want to talk about, a gospel-centered <clears throat> liturgy. So what are some different aspects of a Sunday morning service that we're going to discuss? We want to talk about your music, your worship music, your preaching, which will be short because we spent a whole episode on that last time. Responsive readings, which is something that that probably some of you have in your church, and some of you say that responsive readings that sounds weird. We'll talk about that. Talk about what a gospel-centered offering should look like, prayer, and the sacraments. So, worship music. Joy, what's your favorite kind of worship music? I love a good choir service. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the choir behind the guy leading. Yeah. I feel like that's that's where the spirit is. Robes or no robes? <laughs> oh, you gotta have robes, preferably gold or white, or white robes with yeah. like golden. Oh, that's it. Things. I don't know. What what the, <laughs> y'all can't see what I'm pointing at. 
But you probably most of you know exactly what I'm talking about. You know, like the fringe. Okay. Yeah. So <laughs> we actually, uh, Garrett has done some worship leading in the past and a cool thing actually we're all we all go to the same church in this room ransom community church look us up on google when we first started garrett was actually our our first worship leader which was i think he was just kind of getting into worship music uh or just getting into definitely just getting into leading worship music he, he had played some before but um so so garrett's got some background in this area so um but yeah, worship music is is big. I asked Joy what kind of style he likes because I kind of wanted to make this point that style is very not important. That's not when we say gospel centered. Like, there's not really necessarily a gospel centered style of worship music. So our church, we're we're kind of more. How would you describe our, our style, guys? How would you describe our, our worship style? Kind of mm-hmm. folky, like bluesy kind of like view if those it two varies stop. per song i mean some of the songs are like you said folky and then some of them are more i mean there's a definitely a blues genre you could associate with it yeah and, and so style i think should be determined not as and and there'll be people and there are probably people listening to this that will fight me over this and say like there is a specific gospel-centered style of worship and if you bring too many drums into it or you bring too many anything into it, then it's not as gospel-centered. And, and I would completely argue with that. I think your style should be is usually going to be determined by, A, the people, the, the people that you have and what they can play and what they're familiar with, mm-hmm. and, B, the people that are listening to it. Like, mm-hmm. what is the culture of your church? What is the culture of the area you're into? We're from North Alabama where has a very rich, well, Stats is from Mississippi, but uh, we have a very rich kind of music history, especially in kind of the blues kind of uh, background. background. And so, you know, our our worship leader uh, tries, enjoys seeing that come out in, in our music and also be in this area. That's what a lot of people that play in our band, that's kind of what they're, what they do and what they're familiar with. Um, so, how do you do gospel-centered worship music? More or less the style, but what is important is the lyrics. Yep. I think, the if, obviously, if you want to do gospel-centered music, you should have gospel-centered lyrics. The gospel should be all over the songs that you write. Now, does that mean every single song has to cover every part of the gospel? Uh, no. No, I think, but you want to have that in a service you want to hit all the points of the gospel in the service if if you're looking for a definition of gospel we've got an episode on that also so we're assuming that you've listened to that episode if you haven't stop right now go i think it's our first episode on itunes go listen to that and that's what we mean by the gospel um music and the and the lyrics are big and the lyrics are important because music is a great way that people can be taught sound theology probably even better than a sermon because music is going to and the lyrics in a song are going to typically stick with you longer than a sermon will like at church right now and our pastor might be listening to this and 
he might say something to me. But at church this morning, <laughs> we sung a new song, and the lyrics were awesome and gospel-centered, and they, those have already stuck with me after the service. The sermon, I could probably tell you some of his main points, but that's because the sermon was a couple hours ago. Like, that's, that's not, that song is going to stick with me longer than that. Most of that sermon did this morning. Now, there's obviously probably all of us have one or two sermons that we've listened to in our life that just God used in an extraordinary way that just will stick with us forever. I mean, there's, there's a sermon. There's a sermon by Joy was there with me. S- probably, it's been probably six years now that we were at a conference. We heard David Platt preach. I was thinking about that sermon as well. <laughs> and that sermon, man, the that belief in the absolute sovereignty of God fuels death-defying missions. Like, his sermon on that will stick with me. for Because it changed my life. I mean, it it sent me on a missions path, and it, it changed my life. So there's sermons like that. But, but music is an easy way to teach sound theology. So music is important. The lyrics are important. The style is not necessarily important. The lyrics are extremely important. Guys, if you're at a church and the lyrics are good and the lyrics are gospel-centered and you don't like the style, that's okay. That's okay. Like, that's going to happen. Sing your heart out. Sing with it. If it's about Jesus and it's gospel-centered and it's... And if you're if you're more if you like more contemporary stuff and you're in a church where they do hymns and the hymns are gospel centered, sing those hymns to mm-hmm. Jesus to the glory of God. Yep. Um, so preaching, uh, preaching is big. How do you do? We think the best way to do gospel centered preaching is expositional. If you want to look more into that, check out our last episode, expositional preaching, where Christ is central and Christ is supreme and Christ is exalted in all of Scripture. So. Now, here's something that kind of is probably different. Probably some of us don't have this in our churches, but we use it in our church, and we found it very helpful, is responsive readings where you get readings from uh, Scripture or prayers or confessions that have happened throughout Christian history, things that are very rich in the gospel and rich in theology. I think... A really good tool to use is the Valley of Vision. has a lot of it in there. It's a collection of Puritan prayers. I mean, it's it's great. And it gets it helps you flow from one song that discusses one part of the gospel and then connects it to the next song that discusses another part of the gospel. Responsive readings are great transitions into that and help the story of the gospel unfold throughout the service. And so I think those... Guys, if you're a worship leader out there and you're not using responsive reading, like look into it. Like it's a, it's great too. I mean, it was a little weird when I first went to a church and started doing it because I I grew up in a church that didn't do it as much, and I went to a church that did that did do it. It was weird, and then once you start focusing, man, on those things you're reading, and you're as a church, you are speaking and proclaiming the gospel together. I mean, it's it's great and it's awesome and it's it's. It's good for you. Um, the offering. Every church just about takes up an offering. That, there's gospel-centered ways to do that, too. I think it's best when it's explained how we should view our money in light of the gospel and explain why we should give of, I say, our money that's really God's money. It really God owns it in the first place. 
and we're giving back what's already his and we're called to do it with joy. I think there are ways to do the offering in a way that is beneficial to the people that are giving. And, and that's something to seek out. And then there's ways to do the offering just like, hey, we want your money. We need your money. We want because we want to build a gym. Like there's ways to do it poorly too and with no Jesus involved. Like Jesus and the gospel is a big part and should be a big factor in your generosity. Um, so also I think prayer should be a big part of your Sunday mornings. I think the church should hear prayer from the leadership, whether it be the pastors or your elders. I think prayer is big. Prayer is another way to connect some of those things. And and it's just it's also good at times for the church to pray together for things in the church and in the community. Um, and then lastly, as we're kind of we're kind of running low on time, the sacraments and what we believe by the sacraments. The the three sacraments are are baptism, communion, and foot washing. <laughs> mm, I love love a good pedicure where I'm thinking about Jesus. Yeah, you ever been to one of those? <laughs> I have. I have. Yeah, I have. Yeah. I didn't partake, but I've been. You didn't get your feet washed. I watched. Watched. You, yeah. Did you wash anyone's feet? You just. <laughs> no. so everybody's like just taking their shoes off, and you're like, eh, I'm you out. See, they have these chairs, and they're like all willing to come sit in the chair. I didn't want to. I don't want anybody touching my feet. To be honest with you, I don't want to touch anybody's feet. But okay, yeah. We, we really think the two sacraments are baptism and communion. We think those should be done often, especially I, I, I feel like communion is just such a gospel-centered act in and of itself. Like the whole point of communion is, or the Lord's Supper, is that you are putting your focus to the cross and what Jesus did on the cross for you. And I think that that's the reason I think when you read the book of Acts that the New Testament church did communion on a weekly basis. And I think that's, I'm not saying you're not, you're in sin if you don't do communion on a weekly basis. We've just found that that is very helpful in thinking and in helping people think about the gospel, think about Jesus' work on the cross weekly. Um, so real quick, just in a, in a couple of books that, I, that I've found, that I've read, some ways that Worship ministers can think about Christ-centered worship and what they can look for in organizing a service. Brian Chapel, in his book called Christ-Centered Worship, um, he puts kind of just a layout that they think through in their worship. And this is based on Isaiah 6, Deuteronomy 5, 2 Chronicles 5 through 7, Romans 11 through 15, and Revelation 4 through 21. And so in all these sec- in all these parts of Scripture, you see adoration, Confession, assurance, petition, instruction, charge, and then blessing. Um, Mike Cosper, which is worship leader at Sojourn Church in Louisville, in his book Rhythms of Grace, how how he kind of think, and he's probably one of the, I guess one of the the faces of doing worship this way. But he kind of what they think through is the first thing they think through is um, God is holy and then we are sinners and then Jesus saves us and then Jesus sends us. So, and those, 
how they set that up in the actions, like what we just read out of Brian Chapel, is God is holy is adoration. We are sinners is confession and or lament. Jesus saves us is assurance, the peace, prayers of thanksgiving and petition and instruction. And then Jesus sends us is communion, then commitment, charge, and blessing. And those are just kind of the guidelines that these guys think through as they organize a service. So so that's gospel-centered Sunday mornings, just quickly uh, what, what that can look like. And guys, I'm telling you, like if you're, if you're in a church that takes this seriously, it's so good for you. It's good for your family. It's good. For, like, I mean, you want, that's the whole point of the church is to exalt God, is to think on his gospel. And so that's what we should be doing on Sunday mornings. So again, in conclusion, go check out audibletrial.com slash sportsandjesus. We'll put that link up in some everywhere. So check that out. Sign up for a free trial. My chair just squeaked. It squeaked a few times. That's what that noise is. It's not. I don't have a cat that I'm sitting on or anything. So um, I've never heard a cat sound like that. Because <laughs> you making the noise. Yep. AudibleTrial.com slash Sports and Jesus. Free book, guys. Free yep. book. Free book. Talk to y'all next time. Let it reach till the sheep gone, let them eat. Let, let it beat deep, calling out to the deep. And let it rip straight through that culture that is fast asleep. Speak that truth that wakes the dead. Full of passion, spirit, let the truth birth faith in our heart. Once we hear it read, Christ crucified, that Romans.